Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Michelle, and I, my name is Michelle, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and I'm going to be preaching this morning. So those of you that were expecting our lead pastor, Pastor Matt, I'm sorry to uh, disappoint you, but he is off doing manly things. He is on a hiking trip with some other men from our congregation um, this morning, and so uh, he's hiking and killing bears and wrangling snakes and all those kinds of things that men do, I'm sure, so we might want to keep him in our prayers. Uh, well, uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we are doing a sermon series entitled um, Beneath the Surface, and Pastor Garen explained to us on the first, uh, he did the first sermon and on the first week of this series, he told us that the reason for the icebergs, which actually aren't out here today, I'm not quite sure what happens, see the lead pastor goes and everything falls apart, um, but we usually have icebergs up here, and um, the meaning of the icebergs is that uh, only 10% of an iceberg uh, is seen, only 10% of the surface of an iceberg is seen, and the other 90% of the iceberg is below the water, and so it goes with our character. Our, our talents and our gifts are usually the 10% that the people around us see, and the other 90% is um, our character um, that is kind and hidden. And we like to put our best foot forward, don't we? We like to make that 10% good. Uh, but the other 90% is actually what uh, God is concerned with. Well, I was excited when Pastor Matt asked me to preach because the book of James, which is what we're in now, is actually my favorite book in the whole Bible. I'm not sure why. I think it's because it's just practical and, and straight to the point, uh, which is kind of weird for me because I'm not a straight to the point kind of girl. I like to it tell stories the long way. I know Mary McGinnis can relate with me. We like, to, we like to tell our stories, and we like to embellish them, and we like to, to let you know everything that was leading up to that story up to a week before that story happened. Um, but James does not do that. He is straight to the point. Um, but then as I started preparing and praying um, for today, I was like, ooh, James is really a good good book of the Bible, but it's a hard book of the Bible. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can live to be 101 years old, and you can read a passage in James, and you're going to feel like God just hit you right between the eyes, right? It is um, some good stuff, some good uh, meaty stuff in there. So I uh, think that Pastor Matt actually planned this week to be gone because he knew that there was so much in this little uh bundle of scripture to unpack, and he left me for the, for the hard part. We're going to be talking about prayer, and we're going to be in James 5, 13 through 18. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there or your smartphones or whatever else there is that you can download the Bible on, you can go ahead and do that. But I wanted to uh, take some of the burden off myself of explaining um, this passage, so uh, I found a video that will um, take some of the burden off of me. Watch this. <laughs> well, I feel like we could probably uh, dismiss right now and we'll have learned everything about prayer that there is to learn. Um, we laugh at that video, but I think that probably all of us in this room, I know I have, struggled with prayer. Sometimes we don't really know what it is, uh, how to do it, what to say when we pray. 
Um, in fact, some of you in here have already probably tuned me out because you're like, oh, we're talking about prayer. Um, you know what? Sometimes prayer, frankly, sometimes it can be boring, right? But I think that's because we have a wrong view of what prayer really is. And we'll get to that in a minute. But when George and I were first married, um, a really good friend of mine from high school and college um, had a baby. And the baby uh, had some trouble um, going through the birth canal. Can you say birth canal in church? Um, but anyway, got some um, meconium in her lungs, and um, the doctors were um, scared that she wasn't going to live. And George and I were not believers um, at the time. I, uh, I actually, I, I believed in God, but he and I had never actually talked about it, and we weren't, certainly weren't Christ followers. And, and there's a difference between believing in God um, and being a Christ follower. So just put that out there. So we were not following the Lord. We'd never talked about God. And I just remember being so heartbroken over um, my, for my friend and, and for her baby. Um, and I, I told God, I said, um, I told George, I said, um, can you pray? Are you praying? And he said, why would I, why would I pray? What, what good is that going to do? God has already made up his mind what he's going to do. So why is it necessary for me to pray? And I just remember thinking, wow. Um, but then we came to Christ and we realized the importance of prayer. Um, but I think a lot of us have been where, where George was at at the moment. Like if God already knows everything that's going to happen, if God has already planned what is going to happen, um, if he's all-knowing, um, then why do we need to pray? But I think, I think we miss the point of what prayer is. And, and Matt Chandler, Pastor Matt Chandler says it better. Um, he, he says, I don't think anyone, when you talk about prayer and praise, goes, I had no idea I was supposed to talk with God and praise him. I think we know. So what is it that needs to change in us so that we can act on it? I think, honestly, the things we most often, we miss most often is not the invitation to pray and praise, but the invitation to commune with the living God. I'm going to read that part again. Think about, think about this, because this is what I want us to keep in mind during this whole time together. I think, honestly, the thing we miss most often is not the invitation to pray and praise, but the invitation to commune with the living God. All right, well, let's look at what James 5, 13 through 18 has to say. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them pray. Let them sing songs of praise, sorry. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The power of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. 
Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. What James is, is doing here is he's urging us that wherever we are, whatever our situation is, to live lives communing with God in prayer. And I asked George to read over my sermon last night, and he said um, that maybe some, some of you won't know what the word communing is. Maybe it's a churchy word um, that I kind of need to explain. And it really just simply means that, he, that God comes to us in love and that we respond back to him in love and vice versa. It's, it's just having a relationship with God. And so James is giving us the key to that relationship with God. He is saying, hey, no matter your circumstance, talk with God. Pray to him, praise him, be in relationship with him, because that's where his power, his wisdom, and his grace pours out and works in your life and in my life to transform us into his image. So in this passage, James highlights several different scenarios um, when we need to turn, toward, turn our face toward God. And the first one is those who are in trouble. Now, this is the only place in the entire New Testament where this word for trouble is used. It means suffering through tough times, not related to physical problems. This is the time where there isn't enough money to pay the bills. This is the time when your friend's being a complete jerk to you and um, you don't know what to do. This is the time where your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you and says, uh, it's not me. It's not you, it's me. This is the time where uh, a storm, hurricane, tsunami, whatever comes through and wrecks your whole entire house. Um, I think you get the idea, but James is urging us to seek God in all of these circumstances, in all of our troubles. When your marriage is failing, James says, pray. When you are at a loss for how to parent your child, James says, pray. But if you're like me, sometimes prayer isn't the first thing that I think of to do when I'm in a situation. When I'm um, irritated with someone, when I'm um, experiencing trouble, sometimes my first uh, prayer, my first instinct is not to pray. It's usually to call someone and vent. It's usually to just kind of freak out a little bit and just rant and rave, but uh, that doesn't do us any good. Uh, the thing that helps in those situations is to go to God, because all of the other things that we do doesn't help one bit. It just instills the trouble in us a little bit deeper uh, in our mind. So what we're do is we're go to God. And what about when you don't know what to pray or how to pray or what to say in that, in that moment, like you just have no words. Um, Romans eight twenty six through 27 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Isn't that amazing? We have a God who prays for us when we don't know what to pray. All we have to do is to be still in his presence 
and let him do the praying and just know that he's praying for us. That's amazing to me. A few weeks ago, I had uh, a little bump in the road. Um, I, was, I, had a, I was distraught over a situation, um, and I knew, I knew that I should be praying. I knew that I needed to be in the Word. I knew I needed to be seeking God in this situation. But honestly, I was so overwhelmed, so distraught, so brokenhearted, I didn't even know where to start. I didn't even, I didn't even have it in me to pray. And so I, I texted a friend of mine, um, Rachel Medlin, and, and she's a great prayer warrior, and I said, I need you to pray for me because I'm, I'm having this issue, and I can't get to God. He feels far away. And she texted back, and she said she was praying for me, but she told me to turn some worship music on, and she told me just to lay there or sit there and let God minister to me through the worship music. And I did that, and I'm telling you, as I laid there and and just cried and listened to God pour his love out on me through those songs and through those the people that wrote them and I just I just felt his presence and then I was able to get up and and pray um so sometimes I I guess the key is there's no magic formula for prayer there's no magic formula for prayer you don't you can listen to worship music when you don't know what to pray for. You can um, just tell God how you're feeling. Um, whatever. There, there's just no. There's just no magic. There's just no magic way to pray. I don't. I don't know how to get that across to you, but hopefully, um, through the rest of the sermon, you'll you'll be able to see that. But in that moment, I was able to praise Him, and that opened up the doors for me to be able to to pray. Which leads me to the second scenario. James tells us uh, to turn our face toward God in prayer is those who are happy. He says, if those who are happy, let them praise. Well, we teach our kids to say thank you when they receive something from someone, right? But we often really never learn to be genuinely grateful uh, for the things and for the one, for the things that God has given us and for the one who's given it to us. Um, When we're in the deepest of trouble, we certainly... um, like to, to seek God, right? We need him when we're in the deepest of trouble. But when we're on the mountaintop, we have a tendency to not need God, and we have a tendency to forget um, who gave us all of our blessings. And so here, James is reminding us not to forget. He says, sing songs of praise. Now, I have to tell you at this point um, that sometimes when we sing songs, when we're worshiping, we forget to inform him. We forget to inform our face of what's going on right? I sit right there usually, and, and I watch some of you worship, and um, I know you guys can smile. I know you guys can laugh because I see it after service. I see you smiling, and I see you laughing, but in here, sometimes it looks like the walking dead. There is no joy on your faces when you're singing, and sometimes I want to get up here in the middle of Garen singing, and I want to steal the microphone away from him, and I want to say, people, do you not know that you are praising, that you are singing to the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings? What's wrong with you? So, I digress. 
But I know for some of you, singing is a weird thing. A lot of us in here can't sing on tune. A lot of us have no rhythm. Not talking about me, of course. Doesn't apply to me. But most of you don't. I think Garen doesn't invite me to be on the worship team because he's scared I'm going to take his job, but hey. (laughs) But you know what? We need to get over it. We need to get over the fact that we can't sing worth a flip. We need to get over it that we're in a big group singing. It's, it's, it's really a pride issue. I mean, it really is. And I, and I hate to single anyone out, but you men are the worst at this. God forbid that anybody see you sing or hear you sing. I mean, what is more feminine than singing, right? I know that's what you think. But guess what? Does anybody remember King David? Do you remember the song about King David that the ladies wrote uh, when he and, and, and Saul were in battle? The ladies wrote a song and walked up and down the streets singing, uh, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. That's no sissy. David was no sissy. And yet, he played the harp. Now, I don't know if there's any more feminine of an instrument than the harp, and I'm so sorry if you're a man in here and you play the harp, but David played the harp, and he also killed, and he also shot, stoned Goliath. He didn't shoot him. That would have been easier. He, uh, I do know my theology. He actually got a stone and a slingshot and shot Goliath between the head. Sissy's not going to do that. So guys, get over it. Sing your praises to God because when you do, it draws him near to you and you draw near to him. All right? So next Sunday, I want us to be singing like crazy with smiles on our faces. Um, The third scenario in which James urges us to pray is if anyone is sick. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. I struggled over this because I think that most of us um, maybe struggle with this passage a little bit um, because it says, if any of you are sick, let him call the elders to be anointed with oil and by faith you will be healed. Well, there's some arguments by scholars whether the word sick in this passage means physically sick or spiritually sick. Um, but it's actually both. Uh, the Greek word for sick here means, one, to be weak, feeble, to be without strength, powerless. Two, to be weak in means, to be needy or to be poor. And three, to be feeble, sick. So in times of physical sickness, in times of spiritual weakness, or any other kind of powerlessness, James is calling us to look on God. But what does James say? Um, sorry, I already, already went over that part. I'm going to skip that part. So when he's talking about um, calling the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord... Um, I think that the part of the scripture that we tend to focus on in our humanness um, is the healing part. Um, I think that we all know people that have been prayed over and have been um, healed physically, 
And I think we all know people that have been healed, prayed over, and not healed physically. And, and the not healed physically is hard for us to, to grasp, and, and it, it evokes questions um, and all of that. But, but here's what I want us to focus on. Just as the Greek word for sick had two meanings, so does the Greek word for healed or well, depending on which version of the Bible you use. In this verse, it means, one, to cure, to heal, two, to make whole, to free from errors and sin, or to bring about one's salvation. So God may not choose to heal us physically, and I don't know why he doesn't always choose to heal us physically. The scripture says his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so I I don't know why he doesn't. Um, But here's the more important thing than being healed physically. He heals us spiritually. Um, and, And ultimately, isn't that the most important thing, to be healed spiritually, um, to be able to be right with God. Um, I know that some of you have heard this story before, but um, we used to have a couple here um, that came to HFC. They were, I don't think they were believers when they started coming, Um, but they came with Nita and Chuck Copley, and their names were Jerry and Mary Price, and they started coming for a while, and um, they put their their faith in Christ, and um, Jerry found out not too long after he started coming here that he had cancer, and he only had, the doctors only gave him three weeks to live, and his wife was pregnant, and early in her pregnancy too, um, and I will never forget where I was when I found that out. I had just gotten my nails done. I did not work then. Um, <laughs> I had just gotten my nails done, and Maggie Huff called me. And she said, did you hear about Jerry Price? And I said, I did not. And she said, he only has, the doctors have only given him three weeks to live. And Mary's pregnant. And I I just, I parked. I I was pulling out of my parking space when she said that. And I didn't know these people that well. Um, But I just remember being so heartbroken for them and so burdened by this. And I just prayed, and I cried, and I sought God uh, on their behalf. And, and I do that a lot. I, 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 I love to pray for people. I love to intercede for people. But I, I have no idea why this particular situation hit me so hard. But it did. And so I be, as I began to pray, I felt like God said to me, do something about it. Get together the people of the church and pray. Well, this was before I was a pastor, before I went to Bible school, anything, I, I had no, no job up here, and I was like, well, that's not my job. How am I going to do that? Long story short, called Pastor Jeffrey, who was our pastor at the time, and uh, he, he, was, he was like, well, sure, we can do that, but I've never really done a healing service for, so I'm not quite sure what that looks like. And so I said, well, I don't think it has to be fancy. I just feel like God wants us to get together and just pray over him. So we did, we invited, well, and, and he said, why don't you call them and ask them? And I'm like, me, what? So I remember calling, and Jerry answered the phone, and I said, hey, Jerry, this is Michelle Anderson. You don't have a clue who I am, but I go to your church, and um, I feel, you're going to think this is really weird, but I feel like the Lord is asking me to get together some people and pray over you. And he said, you know what? 
three weeks ago, I would have thought that was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. He said, but right now, I think it's a great idea. So long story short, we got a bunch of people uh, up here. We had dinner with them. We got to know them, and we prayed, and we, we opened it up for other people that needed prayer, and we just prayed. We just prayed over him, just took turns, and just earnestly sought God on his behalf. Well, I wish I could tell you that Jerry lived but for a long, long time after that. But what I can tell you is that he did live for a year and a half after that. He lived long enough to see his baby being born. He lived long enough to make amends with his father and bring his father to Christ. He lived long enough to be healed spiritually. And he said on his deathbed that it's okay I'm ready to go because I know where I'm going and I know my Lord and Savior. And so as hard as it is for us not to get the healing that we ask for uh, for our loved ones, you can rest assured that they are ultimately healed. Uh, My friend Garen told me yesterday um, that the focus here should be about growing in our faith. Um, and I'm quoting, he said, what if the power in the prayer isn't in whether or not God answers the way we want, but rather the power is in how we are changed as we become more like Jesus, who is always in communion with his Father. So um, we really want to focus on, on the power of drawing close to God and not really on the result of the prayer. So listen carefully to verse 16. James goes on to say, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you hear the call for community here? I know I say it over and over. I mean, I'm the community life pastor, so of course I'm going to say it. But I mean it when I say it. God did not intend for us to live our life of faith in isolation. He meant for us to live it with a body of believers so that we could be supported, so that we could be encouraged, so that when we're sick, we have people to bring us meals, so that when we're burdened and we need prayer, we can ask our friends and our our fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to, to pray with us. Um, and, by, and by community and being active in community, I mean being here regularly. I don't mean coming once a month. I mean being plugged in to a life group, to a Bible study, being plugged into serving somewhere. That is how God intends us to live our life. One of the biggest I think mistakes that we can make, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too sometimes, is compartmentalizing our lives. Sometimes we have our church life on Sundays, and we have our work life that starts on Monday through Friday, and then we have our weekend life that's Saturday and Friday night, and all of those things are separate. But what James is calling us to be in is really our banner as Christians should be um, 
Christ, who is our life, all the time, not just on Sundays, right? He, he, he's my life. He's not just the 10% on the top of the surface. He's the 90% below the surface that you can't see, too. He should be the 90% below the surface that you can't see. And if that's true, if he's really the 90% as well below the surface, then I'm going to want to be a part of a community that I can feel comfortable confessing my sins to and, and that I will be able to trust that you guys are going to pray for me. And I've done this. How many of you just like, I can't say that, but I was going to say that your bottom kind of puckered when you heard me say, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What? Confess my sins to somebody? Are you kidding me? That is crazy talk. Well, I tell you, um, that one time, I'm trying to say this without falling apart, one time I really needed to confess my sins. And do not come up to me after church, children, husbands, brothers, friends, and ask me what my sin was. Because I already confessed it to someone. But I was so burdened, so burdened by this sin. I, I just needed to confess it. And I... Um, I said, Lord, I'm going to go to that altar, and I'm going to confess it to whoever comes and prays with me at that altar. So please let it be someone that I can trust. Please let it be somebody who is a prayer warrior. And please let it only be one person. I don't want to confess to a thousand people. I just want to confess to one person. Confessing is hard, you guys. And I'll tell you what. I got down at that altar and one person, Diane Graves, and don't be asking Diane what it was either. She's not going to tell you. <laughs> Diane Graves came down to that altar and prayed with me. I confessed, and can I tell you that the weight that I had been carrying around with me was lifted? Listen to what... Uh, Listen to what King David said. Um, King David had had an affair with, uh, with Sheba, who happened to be his front man on the front lines of, of war. I don't what was he called? I don't know. Anyway, his front man on the, front man on the line, his go-to guy for war, uh, it was his wife. And Uriah was actually, was his name, and he was actually off at war. And David uh, saw Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop and decided he liked the way she looked, so he sent for her. Long story short, they had an affair. He got her pregnant. Didn't know what to do about that, so he had Uriah killed. And can you imagine the weight of that? Listen to what he, he says in, in Psalm 32, 3 through 4. He writes, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as, the, as by the heat of summer. Think about this. I mean, 
let's not gloss over this right now. When David kept silent, when he had secret sin in his life, his bones were literally wasting away. He ached from morning until night. He had a knot in his stomach. He was exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally. He couldn't do anything. His strength was completely gone. But then he confessed, and God was good to restore him and redeem him and take that weight off of him. Um, G, you can go ahead and come up now. You and the band can go ahead and come up now. I love the next couple verses. Uh, It says, the power of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. I don't have time to go into Elijah's story. Today, you can read about him starting in, in 1 Kings 17. But he was a man just like us. A man who saw God do great and mighty things, including providing a, a, a creek, a, a brook for him to drink out of when he was on the run. He even had a bird deliver him food. Now, I think maybe if I had had that happen to me and, and, and seen God's provision that way, maybe I wouldn't question him. I'd like to think that, but, but I don't know, but... But Elijah had that, had that personal experience with God, had God personally take care of him, and yet he still is a scaredy cat. He still runs. He still pouts. And he accuses of God of not caring. And at one point he says, God, will you not let me just die? Here's why I love this. In the midst of unbelievable miracles... He questioned God. In the midst of unbelievable blessings, he doubted. We do that too, don't we? We have so many blessings. God provides so many things for us. We see his hand at work, and yet we still doubt. We still question. But friends, this is powerful because it says he prayed and God answered his prayer. And the reason God answered his prayer was because he sought God earnestly. And he was in relationship with God and he yearned to know God. We're just like Elijah. We can know God just like Elijah did. Prayer is the way that we connect with God. It's the way we live out our faith. If we're Christians and we're not praying, there's something wrong. I mean, just to put it bluntly, we really need to question whether or not we're really a Christ follower. We may believe. We may believe that God that Jesus is the Son of God. We may, believe, we may be a fan 
of Jesus. But if we're not praying, if we're not in relationship with God through prayer, I don't think that we can say that we're a Christian. I don't think that we can actually say that we're a Christ follower. I said this earlier, but if we understood what prayer was, if we could just understand it, it would change the way we think about prayer. Prayer is the fundamental piece of our relationship with God. We talk to him, we listen for him, we praise him, we commune with him. It's like if you have, if you have a, a friendship or a new friend or you're, you're starting a dating relationship, you want to get to know them, right? You want to know their likes. You want to know their dislikes. You want to know what makes them tick. You want to know what their hobbies are. You, you, you want to know everything about them. You cannot wait to spend time with them, right? You can't get off of the phone with them. Or you can't stop texting in the case of these teenagers. They don't actually talk on the phone. They just text. But you want to be in constant communication with somebody that you're really interested in, right? That's the way it should be with God. We should want to be in constant communication with them. If we truly have a relationship with them, if we truly love him, if we truly want to know him, it won't be a chore for us to pray. It won't be uh, uh, dreadful for us to think about the prospect of praying. It will be something for us to look forward to. And you know what? There's no, there's no magic formula. I know I said that earlier. There's no magic formula for prayer. It's just simply setting some time aside to talk to God. And yes, we can pray in our cars. We can, we can pray in the shower. We can pray anywhere. But if we really, really, really want to know God, we have to set some intentional time aside to just be, to just know he's God and to be in his presence. There's no magic words. There's no magic posture. There's no magic time. It's simply just a matter of taking the first step and doing it. It might feel awkward at first, but the more you do it, the 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 more natural it seems and the, and the easier it gets. And, and God doesn't just call us to prayer as individuals. He calls us to prayer as a community, corporately. And, and I think that's, that's why sometimes we're so powerless as individuals and so powerless as a church, as church, not, not our church necessarily, but just churches in general. Because we don't pray. We don't praise. We don't pray individually. We, 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 might, we might pray, oh God, thank you for this day. Help us get through it. Uh, or thank you for this food. But we don't really seek in earnest the King of Kings. And that's why we don't look different than the rest of the world. And that's, that's a problem. So my prayer for you today, my prayer for me today, is that we spend some time with God. And if it takes us being weary or burdened 
or sick or just at the end of ourselves, then so be it. It's so worth it. When we're weary of ourselves, when we're at the end of ourselves, it's easier for us to surrender. It pushes us into prayer and praise more than our strength ever will. Uh, theologian Soren Kierkegaard says, Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. And I have no idea what your response is to all of this today. Maybe you're just a Sunday churchgoer, and you, you do it because it's habit, or you do it because your spouse drags you, or you do it for your kids, but you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you come here on Sundays and, and you do have a relationship with Christ, but you're not plugged in. You're not in a life group. You're not serving. You're not part of the community. Friends, God's calling you into deeper community. He's calling you, he's calling me to not compartmentalize our church life and our work home life. And he's calling us to surrender to him and let him be our lives. Or maybe you're struggling like King David because you need to confess. You need to confess your sin. And you need to bring that sin and the shame that comes with it into the light. Friends, <laughs> if you could do it on your own, if you could get over whatever that sin is, if you could get over that addiction, you would have already done it. You have to bring it into the light. Satan would like nothing more than to, to keep us in that darkness, to keep us thinking, you know what? It's too risky. It's too risky for me to confess. There's consequences. But God is a God of grace. So I urge you this morning, if you are struggling, to come into the light, to confess. Maybe your prayer life and your relationship are the best that they've ever been. Hallelujah. Praise God this morning. Praise him with all that you have and give him thanks. However God is calling you to respond today, the important thing is to just do it. To just respond. Be like Elijah and have faith. Step into what God has for you. She's going to play for a minute or sing or do whatever he does so well up there. And I want you to respond. Whether you, you come to these altars, whether you grab someone and take them into another room to pray with them, whether you just stay in your seat, I want you to respond to God this morning. I want you to step out and I want you to pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it transforms us. I thank you that it comforts us. I thank you that it convicts us sometimes. God, I pray that as we leave here today, we wouldn't 
Just say, I'm going to do better. At whatever. At praying. At whatever it is that's keeping us from you. But that, God, we would take a step into relationship with you. That we would confess. That we would praise. That we would do whatever it is that you're calling us to. That it wouldn't just end here and now. That tomorrow morning when we wake up and we go to work and we're around our coworkers, that they will sense something new in us. That you will put it on our hearts and our minds, Lord. That you will remind us of your love for us. The whole reason it's important to pray is because you love us and you want to have relationship with us. You call us to it. This life is not worth living without you in it, Lord. I don't know how I made it. before I knew you because this last 16 years with you has been the best thing and God it's not always roses and it's not always pretty and it's not always easy but you're always there for me and Lord I pray that for my friends I pray that they know that you're there I pray that they know your love for them I pray that they feel your grace. I pray that they, that I, that we would surrender today, Lord. That we would give you our lives, that we would give you control because we aren't very good. with the control part. We think we are, but we're not. And what you have for us is is better than anything that we can dream up for ourselves. So God, we praise you today. We thank you today um, for loving us, for the blessings that you've bestowed on us. And I pray that you would help us uh, in the days and the weeks to come to pray, to pray earnestly, to seek you, to to get to know you, to learn about you. Um, And the more we do that, the more in love with you that we'll fall. And I thank you for that promise and for for, for honoring our prayers this morning. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.